This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. How's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hello, my name is Tina Fey, and um, I feel good about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I feel like it tracks. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, my podcast, a second season. Really enjoying it, having a blast. Joined as always by my trusty companion and sometime assistant, ah. Sona Movsesian. Sometime assistant? Oh, well, there are times where you sort of <laughs> drop out for periods. You know what? I do. Yeah, that's okay. I'm a. You do. You're right. You do the best you can, and it's good enough. I don't even do that. I really am just <laughs> phoning it in most of the time. But I love you. You're oh, great. Oh, that's nice. I love you, too. We're friends. Yeah. We're basically family. You're the second older brother I never wanted. <laughs> You're, um, yeah. And uh, and I'm also joined. Uh, I don't think we've you've earned the love yet. No. Gourley. You have for me, Matt. Thanks. And same to you. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, I see you as a... You know, uh, you've sort of a, a younger sibling. Mm. I'm not sure about you yet. Yeah. I've tried, like my other younger siblings, I've tried to kill you several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can vouch for that <laughs> in tried, so many ways. Tried to push you into a 1960s fan blade that doesn't have the protective cage. Uh, but you always get away. Yes, that's you're, right. You're quite, I'm still here. You're still here with giant, you do have giant fan blades sticking to your face. <laughs> Rusty vintage fan blades, but still... I have to, uh, I've been uh, constantly being um, prodded by our podcast overlord, Adam Sachs, <laughs> yeah. who's always saying, more, more, do more. He, uh, he is insisting that I put out a call to action that you please rate this podcast. I said, well, haven't we, I mean, it's been rated and it's doing really well. And he's like, more, more, I must have more, more stars, more. That's how he talks. Um, he's always petting a white cat. Anyway, <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts and, and give us uh, a rating. And if you're going to go to all that trouble, why not just do a five? Yeah. Give us five. That's what I do when I take a, you know, a, a, a ride on a lift or something. Or, you know, I always give them the most number of stars. And think of me as your, you know, as your driver that you ordered. And I did a pretty good job. I got you here safely, right? Yeah. I didn't talk too much. Uh, I was nice. Give me five stars. And right? if not for him, for Sona and me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, very excited. We can't waste time today. We can't. Uh, because I'm thrilled about our guest. Uh, 
guest today is a, just an absolutely hilarious comedian, writer, actor, and producer behind such cultural hits as Mean Girls, 30 Rock. She was the first woman to be named head writer of Saturday Night Live, and she's won nine Emmy Awards and two Golden Globes. I admire uh, her immensely, her talent, her work ethic, and I'm just absolutely thrilled to be talking to her today. Thank you for being here. I have a little bit of a complaint with you, which is that when I, don't be afraid, it's really not that bad. It's to your credit and it shames me, Uh, which is that when I walk through life many times, I've had people come up to me, get excited and say, you're just so great on 30 Rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now look, I've done some other shit in my life. But you and I both know that if you added all the time that I've been in 30 Rock, yeah. it comes to about, I think, a total of three and a half minutes. At most. At three most. Three and a half minutes, yeah. Yeah. And maybe one of it, one of those minutes is good. But you're like the Judy Dench of TV. Like you can win an Oscar <laughs> for those three and a half minutes. But I swear to God, I don't know. I want to say to them at that moment, and they're clearly huge fans of the show, and rightly so, but I want to say to them, you realize I had <laughs> nothing to do. I don't even know why I was included in that show. I honestly don't know why you put me in the show. And then I think you had me on, you had me on uh, an episode very early on. Mm -hmm. I think I was referenced a few times. Well, I think there's a, uh, one of the season one episodes is called Tracy Does Conan. Yes. And it's an episode where I felt like the show uh, clicked into its tone. Or jump the shark. Or ju- Well, that was for us. We, ju- we needed to jump the shark immediately. We became <laughs> basically a SeaWorld show <laughs> about how many sharks one could jump. Uh, but And so I think that was an, uh, an important episode in the show. Uh-huh. And, um, and then I think also, is that the episode where we established that the character Liz Lemon used to date Conan O'Brien? Yeah. Clearly, yeah. this was some sublimated fantasy of yours. Uh, that also, made its way. who's in the building? Who who, <laughs> who else works for Lauren and has to say yes? No, but that did also. It did. I think it was me and Al Roker. It was you were, and Roker. Roker yeah, passed. Yeah. Um, no, it just also just tracked of in that way of like, well, she's a comedy writer. Right. Who would she have known fifteen years ago? Yep. Yep. Or five years ago, then. Right. Seems there. Right. So I'm really not in the show, but uh, I remember shooting a scene with Alec Baldwin where our faces are right up against each other mm-hmm. and walking away from that and thinking, I'm not an actor. <laughs> every day of my seven years without no, no, I, Alec can be like, oh, that's good. No, Look see, that. that's, a, that's something that you, here's something I think we can talk about that interests me, which is that uh, you and I both came from this world of wanting to be funny, write jokes. I do feel like you worked harder and obviously did a lot better job at becoming an actor than I ever could have. I I took a serious acting class early on in my life. Mm -hmm. I was like 22 and I remembered someone saying, yeah, you're, I was doing improv at the time and someone said, you need to take a serious acting class. So I did. And I had a scene where I had to tell a woman, another scene partner that I loved her Mm -hmm. and really mean it. And I said, I cannot do this. I can do it if it's funny, but I can't show real emotion. And the acting teacher literally said, you need to go. <laughs> so, a good acting teacher. Yeah. Didn't just want to keep taking the no, checks. No, 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 no. Just really uh, very upfront with me. You Wait, need where to go. Where was this in Ch- where, Chicago, Boston? This was in New York, New York, actually. This was in New York when I was uh, in New York briefly. I think it was when I was working at Sound Out Live and yeah. I cannot do that. Did you take any- like, I, Well, the- I secretly have a degree in drama. I mean, not secretly, but no one cares, you know. So I did, I studied drama at the University of Virginia uh, in a very small little program. And between, and also I think because I came up from old school improv training, the second city, the kind of Martin DeMott, not just UCB, which is cooler and more, you know, I wanted to say cutthroat, but I don't know, but it's, it's much more like just find the game, play it. Like uh, the old school Second City training was so much of sitting and doing machines and mirror work. Like you push past how deeply corny and embarrassing it is to be like, there's just so much eye contact. Like right. the amount of eye contact, right. we're both hating this right now, how much eye contact I'm giving you, right? 
It's horrible. I'm falling in love. <laughs> I don't know what your problem is. You just see a you just see a beady eyes looking at you. It's all about like pushing past how incredibly corny it is yeah. to allow yourself to try to care, to be vulnerable and stuff. And because I guess because I had done that, I didn't mind returning to it. I think acting, you know, Amy said that she wanted to call her book Movies Are Boring and Acting is Embarrassing or mm-hmm. something like that because yeah. it is it's just so embarrassing. Um, and so I, I don't mind. I'm very limited as an actor. Like, I feel like I have a, a, a Salieri-like clarity on my limits as a, as a writer <laughs> performer. It's torture. But uh-huh. I don't mind, I don't mind like trying. Um, and some comedy people do. I, I, for me, the boundary is the one thing I can't do is like, I would never be able to, believe me, no one's asking, but like, I won't do like a sex scene. Like, that's the one thing. And that I think is also the comedy person part of me can remember an early enough time in improv, like an older generation of improv where people would sometimes try to pimp you into something like that yep. on stage just to be a jerk. Right. And so I have the like, nope, you're not going to trick me. So that for me, that's the boundary. Like I'm not going to simulate intercourse in a movie, no matter how many people call. I always say, uh, if my wife and I are watching a movie and there's a very explicit sex scene, I always say out loud, being an actor is so embarrassing. So I say that I say that out loud. <laughs> Because I think about these people yeah. that uh, they're in front of 50 people and they're people yeah. holding booms. And people grips. who want to go to lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I, I feel like you managed, I saw you do improv and you just had this real clarity and focus up there. And you, I think you were helping direct scenes and make things happen. Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah. No, I was very, I was very, I, I remembered thinking, oh, She's fantastic. Oh, that's She's nice. great. And uh, and shouting that out a few times. <laughs> then being asked to leave. I was asked to leave, yes. <laughs> I had been drinking. Uh, <laughs> She's really good. And I, uh, I, one of the things that I noticed about your work is the quality and pure volume of good jokes, whether it's in 30 Rock or Kimmy Schmidt, they're incessant and they're of very high quality. And I thought- and then this was later born out and your book comes out and all these other great things happen for you. But I always look at you as someone who does the work. I do think that isn't discussed enough out there that hard work, you uh, are an extremely hard worker and I think you have a very high bar. Thank you. I I will allow it. I agree. We, uh, we Especially during 30 Rock Times, we work very hard. And I think uh, that, you know, I wrote that pilot on my own, but every episode thereafter was was me working with Robert Carlock, my old friend from SNL. And so I think we uh, <clears throat> bring that out in each other. He is a, a great joke writer. And I think I think the two of us together is a very strong combination. Um, and we did Kimmy Schmidt together also. Yeah, yeah. But those are, there's a lot of times I've seen those episodes and I feel like, I know I need to watch that again because the jokes are coming so fast. And I don't know where that comes from. Does that come from, I feel like you just have to have that work ethic. I'm guessing you were like that when you were younger yeah, I, I think coming I, you know, up in Philadelphia. A, yeah, I think it was a hard, a good work ethic in school. I think a good work ethic at SNL. Um, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and then wanting to make the, th- when we started making the thing that was really ours, just the mania of like, oh, we're going to make this thing that's ours. No one's paying attention to us really. Cause everyone's paying attention to studio 60. So we can just keep putting too many jokes in a five pound bag. That's right. Studio 60 came out at the yeah, exact same, at the time, same time. And there were two shows, one, and, and, and initially it seemed like, well, who's- Well, we're doomed. What's yeah. going to work yeah. here? The one that's packed with, it's Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin and a bunch of huge stars. actors. Yeah. Thank God we had Alec. If we had, if we didn't have Alec, it would have just been like, we're not even picking up this pilot. Right. Um, but, and that, I think, like I said, in some ways, Robert and I bring out the worst in each other in that way, that we'll, we'll want everything to be perfect and yeah. we'll look at each other like, should it be, you know, and we'll, people, people who worked on 30 Rock- all moved away as fast as they could <laughs> when it was over because I think we broke them. I think we broke a lot of people. Yeah, um, and there was a lot of it was a f- uh, loving staff and a and a there was a lot of pride and we did a lot of good work. But I think a lot of people never want to see us again. Uh, I think that's a sign that you've done your job. <laughs> We've done our job. Uh, if you can break people, yeah. Um, Jack McBrayer's the one that I probably know the best yeah. of that cast. And I realized the other day, I've never had a real interaction with him. I only <laughs> improv with him. I have never once said, hey, how are you? Yes. 
anytime I see him, I become the cruel over the top. <laughs> you go into your bit. I go into my bit. He's so good at going into the hangdog. At, at being hangdog sad. At being hangdog sad. And then the, it culminated in me... Um, documentary of this tour I did and Jack came backstage and I had my guitar and I started to play, do the same thing with him. And, uh, I'm doing it. I started to play, um, doing, you know, uh, the song from deliverance, you know, and he started to dance against his will. (laughs) A critic for the New York times said a low point was when Conan O'Brien cruelly forced. (laughs) How can, how can you make somebody dance against their will? Oh, thank God for the times. How would we find all our low points and mistakes if it weren't for the times? They know comedy. They know comedy. They love comedy. Um, No, Jack McBurr is a trained clogger. Happy for an opportunity to clog. Yeah. But it is true that Jack McBurr, again, back to the Venn diagram of of people and ethnicities we're allowed to torture. It's just McBurr is the only one left. Yes. There's no other cultural kind of game you could play with any living person. Right. That would be politically (laughs) correct in this era. Here comes so-and-so. But you're allowed to go after Jack McBurr for being hill people. And uh, that's something that I feel really good about. Uh, (laughs) No, I was, you know, Saturday Night Live is a place where I felt like I learned to take my ambition and my work ethic and hook it up to this machine that knew no limit. Like Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't work too hard at Saturday Night Live because it will always ask for more. Yeah. I don't know about you. You had crazy success there. (laughs) I have some dark memories of SNL, mostly the writing night, Tuesday night. People always say to me, oh my God, working at SNL must have been fantastic. And I think, yes, it was. It was beautiful and fantastic and changed my life in so many ways. Tuesday night, staying up all night, writing. uh, I have PTSD from that to this day. Yeah, a lot lot of people do. Um, Also, you know, it's a schedule designed around cocaine. And then the 70s end- and people, as far as I know, well, I got there was the 90s, as far as I know, the cocaine was gone, but we yeah. were still staying up all night. Yeah, a lot of people, I think it brings out OCD in people who never had OCD before. Like, I remember going from Tuesday night, uh, and I'm not making light of OCD, whatever, but uh, behaviors. I'll do, I'll do that later. Behaviors. Yeah. I remember, you know, and may, tell me if you were the same, you go, okay, stay up all night, and then you're going into Wednesday writing night, and I would say things in my brain like, I got to get off the train on the same side, and I have to go around this pillar or my sketch is going to tank and I have to go up these. And I have no, no behavior like that in any other part of my life. You were forced into it. I would have crazy um, thoughts like that. Yes. Sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation Uh, is no joke. It is. um, I was reading, I think it was a Malcolm Gladwell book recently. And they talk about how the most effective torture still is sleep deprivation. And it's why fraternities do it. It's, it's just, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Deprive someone of sleep is, and they will break. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Saturday Night Live, there was this crazy thing of almost, you're not allowed to write a sketch ahead of time and, yeah. and keep it. You, you can't quietly write it on a Saturday afternoon. There's no reason why you can't. No, no, no. There isn't but any no reason. no one does. But no one does. And so what happens is no one even writes them on Mondays. No. The, the host comes in and we all sit on the floor like children and the host is sitting there and we, you know, say, I'm just, you know, to uh, who's a random host? Brett Kavanaugh, when he was on, he was great. <laughs> he was uh, great. I had a weird <laughs> thing. With, never, I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, there's no time for that. Um, no, but uh, you, you say to Matthew Modine or whoever the guest is, he's my go-to, right. Matthew Katie Modine. Holmes, yeah. Katie Holmes. You say to Katie Holmes, you make up an idea that you yeah. don't even intend to do. Right. And um, mine always involved a blimp, like a there's a restaurant on a blimp. And I would say it to every single, yeah. and they would go like, huh, okay, maybe. And Lauren would go like, you know, possibly, yes, right. you know. But why didn't I have a sketch yeah. ready to go on Monday. There's no reason, but none of us did it. And then we yeah. all stayed I, I, up. I would say I was a nerd. I tr- I tried to have real pitches on Monday. 
And I, I did, and they oftentimes weren't, but I, I used to try. I used to get up on Monday and have tea. I didn't even drink coffee then. Have a tea at the corner of this place by my house and try to, and char- I would write out the host name and I would do a whole chart of like, okay, this is with type, against type. And what could I think yes. of for the host? And right. I would try to go in because I do. The, I just think that was only a few people could get away with the, the fake pitch every week. I, I, J.B. Smoove was in the... Um, uh, writing staff when I was there and he used to pitch the same fake pitch every week and kill every week with the same fake pitch was a, it's a, a, a for an all day cigarette. It's a, it was a, this long you smoke it all day. And it's just like, he would indicate a, <laughs> like a foot long cigarette and it's good. Cause you could uh, just ash out the window. Uh-huh. In a, that's a terrible JB smooth impression, but I also got <clears throat> racially nervous about attempting a JB smooth impression. Yeah. 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 You're I, very, uh, uh, in private, I do an amazing JB smooth, but, uh, and you would kill every week, but I could, wouldn't get away with that. Right. Um, so I would try to have stuff. But you know what's weird now? I've been there the last couple of times where I've happened to be around on a Monday for some other reason over there. Yeah. Everybody leaves and doesn't, like we would, we would pit, uh, do, sweat through pitch and then you go and start writing Monday night and try something. Yes. They're gone. That's strange. I've heard that. I've heard, now this, now I sound like uh, the old man who says, you know. Oh, I'm embracing day, it. I'm embracing it. But- <laughs> I do think we worked harder. I've offered many times to go in and yell at people. Like, would it be helpful if you want me to just come and yell at people? Yeah. Yes, Lawrence turned it down every time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 49. I oh, love to yell at people. Man, I uh, the staying up all night and then into Wednesday, and I remembered there being kind of a macho, because I'm in my 20s, and I loved, like, I just urinated blood, you know. Yeah. I, how bad I've been could up, it be? Yeah. How bad, I'm, I'm going to push this so hard that I hallucinate and, <laughs> um, and that I get sick. Yeah. And it's going to, and then I'm going to take the L back to Williamsburg, Brooklyn, <laughs> and I'm going to get shot by someone dealing crack. That's how much I care about comedy. Yeah. yeah. With a capital C, man. Mm-hmm. We're not screwing around here. And then- when you hear about today, it can sometimes sound like they all went to a salad bar and they... I think everyone has a better... I'm, I think they have better lives than we did at that time. Remember the thing that I used to hate? They'd come around and say, like, they'd make a list of, do you want to talk to the host? Mm. And I was like, never. I never want to talk to the host. Did yeah. you? Would you accept the offer to talk to the host? What I remember is hosts wandering in and I have a really strong... Those are some of my strongest memories is me sitting at my desk. It's one o'clock in the morning... And Sting walks in and sits on the edge of my desk. Yeah. I remembered Melanie Griffith wearing really tight leather pantsuit coming in. I'm a nerd to the 10th degree, and I'm at my desk trying to think of his sketch. And she came in, sort of like <laughs> Marilyn Monroe in that Marilyn Monroe yeah. voice. And she had just done Working Girl. This would be like 1988, 89. And she sat on my desk and she was like, so what are you working on? Yo, you seem like you'd be a good writer. You know, and, I, and it was, <laughs> I was, I was like, and those are my memories of just people that would come in, like Andy McDowell bringing me a birthday cake because she heard it was my birthday. Wow. And, or a slice of a cake. I don't, I probably expanded it in my mind. Maybe it was just a piece of pie. It was from craft I remember, like, I think my First show or first or second show back what my first year was Sylvester Stallone. And I remember thinking that when you go into that pitch meeting and you see the person on the chair in Lauren's office, I'm like, oh, that's a movie star. Like mostly they almost always looked significantly different and better than us. You know, like you like just the teeth and the, the, I remember just thinking like that was, he had just a, probably like a $400,000 watch on or something. I'm like, oh, that's a straight up movie star. And it it pretty much always held, I guess maybe because they're coming from, I don't know if they take their host photo that day too, but women always just like done to the nines and we just like crawl in. Like we just came out of a swamp. Yeah, I I actually, one of the things I like the most about the podcast, which has just been a total lark, that we started doing. And then I realized I really loved it. And one of the things I like the most about it is I get to dress like a comedy writer. Yeah. I, there's no makeup. There's no, we just slump in and we start talking and I love not having makeup oh. is the one thing that I, I'm still, and it's probably why I'm, I'm just not meant 
ultimately probably to be in front of the camera because I despise makeup. Well, I think you and I are actually similar in that. I think of myself as a comedy writer first and mm-hmm. and lady makeup takes, I'm going to guess, about four times as long. No, I get lady and, makeup. Oh, you get lady makeup. You get yeah. a full, full a row ver- of lashes. I'm a very attractive woman. Right? <laughs> <Turns> <laughs> like I did a movie with Steve Carell once. And I was like, oh, I just have to come in an hour earlier than him every day because it just it's just lady being a lady. Yeah. I feel like, why can't that just be, can a computer do that later now? Yes, that's what it's I 2019. think. Just F stop seven yeah. on some computer. Just, uh, Is that wrong? I don't know much ears. about. I don't know much about computers. F-stop Isn't that seven. F stop seven something that we could do? All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. So, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So, Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching, you can go hiking in Yosemite, and then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want, they got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn. 
the place to be, to be. All right, we're back. Was that creepy? Um, the way you said that? Yeah. Okay, we're back. The, the second one was, yeah. The okay. second one was first creepy. One, I'll go with Too the first breath. one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I saw Mean Girls oh. yesterday, and I really loved it. Oh, thank you for going. I loved it, and uh, I thought, like, this cast is spectacular. And I was also very impressed that I know the mu- movie well. I was just really impressed with how it's much more than the movie. I mean, the movie stands on its own, but it, it's a whole other entity. Thank and, you. Yeah, we tried to, it, you know, for people who like the movie, they'll it'll scratch that itch. But to, yeah, there's no point in coming to a new thing if it's not also a new thing. When you look at how much work goes into a good Broadway musical and the precision and just, I, I know it took you years to get this thing onto Broadway. Yeah. It's great. It's really impressive. It's really fantastic. And I will say that my wife and my daughter saw it a few weeks before I did. And they hated it. No, just (laughs) absolutely walked out. They walked out. Um, No, my, uh, it's such a great thing for my daughter to see. And she loved it. She absolutely loved it. It's a great, the word empowering is overused. I'm going to overuse it even more, but it's uh, just terrific. There's a kid in the show right now, and I say kid because she's 19. This girl Renee, who plays Regina, Regina George, yep. is 19 years she's old. She's 19. She's 19. Yeah. She graduated high school. She's the winner of uh, a thing that I think you would really enjoy called the Jimmy Awards, which is the <laughs> National High School Theater Awards. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's like the Tonys for high school theater. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like. That's I would so like to my, watch that with you. That's so in my wheelhouse. <laughs> right, just sit down and watch that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but she went, and she is so talented. Yeah. And um, because she is a real teen, absolutely terrifying on stage because no one can really terrify you like a like an actual teenage girl. Yeah. That's the other thing I noticed is that there, you had to cast for people that could. They all dance. They all. They dance. all sing insanely well. Yeah. And they're funny. Yep. Now that's the thing. If you can find someone who's funny. Yep. That would be almost to the exclusion of everything else. One would think, but they also had to, I was like, but they're funny. So we had to really work hard to find them. And we have, and now we've had to find two sets of them. Because you're the, going on this tour national tour. Yeah, national tour started last week, or I don't know when this airs. This it's, will never air. This will, oh, never air. Okay. So no, this it, is my, for my private It's never collection. green. <laughs> this is for my private collection. <laughs> they, call it, they call it a never green episode. Uh, yeah. I'm a real creep. Yeah. I just- <laughs> This I have is a room. For the court I, case. <laughs> I have a room I go into and just listen. And people say, you know, Tina Fey's a pretty big deal. You should. No, 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 no. This one's just for me. <laughs> this one's for Papa. This one's for Papa. And then the, a steel door closes, and I'm in there for an hour. Um, no, I was. Uh, I don't know where it, Mean Girls, the musical, stands in your sort of hierarchy of things that you're proud of. But I love old time show business, and yeah. I know that to have a show on Broadway, I, I would love all the cliches, like pacing outside yeah. in a tuxedo, <laughs> waiting for the reviews to come in, uh, you know, um, everything, you know, coming out the stage door, yeah. uh, going in and saying, people, people, one, the three, one, two, you know, all this stuff that we've seen depicted. Yeah, I grew up, you know, watching the movie Fame and a lot of old movies too, but yeah, like being in the rehearsal room with them for a month, uh, was so thrilling. Uh, except the one thing is that it's a, you know it's mirrors everywhere, and when yeah. it's like a bunch of twenty year old dancers and you yep. in the wall of mirrors, you're like oh oh god, save me from these wall of mirrors. But um, the one funny thing was because they're all like gorgeous twenty two year old dancers. There's a moment in the show within this number called Where Do You Belong, where it's like in the movie where Damien's showing like all the groups in the cafeteria, and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, here's the sexually active band geeks, whatever, yep. trying to explain to gorgeous dancers how to be sexually awkward. It's We have to keep checking on it on the show. We have to keep going back because they're so beautiful and good at sex, I assume, <laughs> that like, no, just be more like, just like, just be more dry humpy. And they're like, oh, I never had to do no, that. No, never went through that they're phase. Like, yeah, so we have to constantly, the yeah. choreographers to come back and keep readjusting them to awkward. Right. Because they're beautiful. This is, yeah, you're actually ashamed of your body. Right. Uh, you're, you don't know how to do it. You're, you don't know how to do it. You're afraid the other no person's going to gonna judge your naked body. Yeah. I don't know what you're saying. Okay, I'll dig deep on this. I don't really understand it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to me, I don't know if you missed it when you were doing Kimmy Schmidt and 30 Rock, but- I love an audience. Yeah. Um, 
I also really enjoy this. I love there not being an audience because I think you can have a different kind of a conversation, but I love anything that smells of Show, I just always want to be in showbiz. Yeah, old school and showbiz. Sound Out Live is very, you know, it's so five, old. four, three, two. Yeah. I mean, and and uh, then the crowd and the elation, and then of course the sketch doesn't go great, mm-hmm. and just the crash mm-hmm. and the highs, the lows. I just wanted to be around that. Yeah, SNL is the maybe the last truly old school showbiz thing there is, where you know it's just it is. It's uh, stars show up. Yep. And, and live music. Um, it's so thrilling to be there. The few times you can count on your hand, probably that you, or one hand, that you felt like you actually killed on air in that room, there's no beating it. You know, this one thing to sit in an edit room and lock an episode of, of 30 Rock and be like, I feel like that's a good one. But to be in the room at SNL and be a part of anything that goes really well. Um, and then we used to spend so much time on 30 Rock too because it was for broadcast TV. It had to be exactly... 21 minutes and 15 seconds long, um, which is really short. And then we would cut to that. And then sometimes I would check. I remember I would check on like NBC.com or iTunes after the show came on and be like, huh, it's a little shorter on iTunes or whatever. And we found out that sometimes they would verispeed the show. They would take the show was already too fast and too stuffed and speed it up a little bit to get one more promo for Animal Hospital or whatever the fuck it was. Um, that's the first time I cursed. I was trying not to curse. Um, but thinking back about NBC promos made me great. And so like they would actually sometimes speed it up without our knowledge after we spent so much that's time. Ama- they, yeah. I, that's a real thing. That, they, they speed it up that. slightly. They would take a part where no one was talking. It would be just like Jack McBrayer stepping into an elevator and it would be like, they would get like a half a second here and half Did a you stop here. it? Did you get involved? We complained. I don't know if it stopped. You showed them. We showed them. <laughs> I lodged a complaint. We lodged a complaint to Rick Ludwin. <laughs> God bless Rick Ludwin. Person. He's a good man. Do you, you know, I wanted to ask you quickly why your very talented husband, Jeff Richmond, yeah. who did the music for yeah. Mean Girls, a very talented guy, yeah. for many years, he would do bits on yeah. my show. This is In the a thing. diaper often. Yes. And I, uh, this was not intentional, but we would, uh, for some reason, Jeff consistently in every single bit that we did was dressed in some- Like a cherub. A cherub or, you know, covered in some kind of goo uh, (laughs) or in some way. And I thought, this is just accidental, but it looks intentional. It looks like I was trying to destroy your marriage. It really, it really does look like, okay, Conan loves Tina. <laughs> he wants to, to he wants to fiance. emasculate her fiance on his show so that she falls in love with him. <laughs> and I tried and tried and tried, and it actually is like a great. Someone should use that as a plot for a movie. It's a found but, horror movie. Yeah, it's pieced yeah, together from yeah. Today he plays the toilet seat. Wait, just get a toilet seat. No, get no. Jeff Richmond. But I actually, I was, I was, I looked up, I was curious and I looked up Jeff mm-hmm. on his, uh, on like Wikipedia. And one, it says all the great things that he's done and accomplished. But one of the early things it says is appeared, appeared on Conan O'Brien several times as Russian hat guy. Oh, I don't know who Russian hat guy oh is. Oh, that's why, that's our, that's like our Netflix password. And I never know why. That's like, oh, great. With, with some numbers that you can't figure out. One, two, three. Mm. <laughs> but no, that's, I always, I never knew why that was his. But I don't, but like I. Hulu password or I whatever. don't know why he's Russian. I don't remember. He well, He may have blocked it out. Yeah. No, he clearly, I guess Russian hat probably wore some kind of Russian hat. Here's the thing about Jeff is he's very handsome, but he's also very adorable. Mm-hmm. And he also is a sight gag. Like he is a, he's a director. He He's about five. He says five, two. I don't think so. Um, and so he, He'll he never hear this. as a comedy director, he knows his own value as a sight gag. And oh. I respect that a lot. <sighs> yeah. Like he knows that. He knows that standing next to you is right. super funny, right? Because you're it tall. always it always worked. Yeah, uh, he, but if you fly him out, he'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> he'll still do for four hundred dollars. For four hundred dollars, he'll, he'll dress take as the a, he'll dress as a cherub in a diaper. Yeah, and uh, and then be dunked in. If caramel. you're listening to this, you know, just Google him right now, Jeff Richmond, like the city, mm-hmm. and you'll see he's adorable. He's a very good looking man, very nice guy, very talented uh, musician. Yeah, but. Um, I, I feel like I marred his early career <laughs> and I apologize for that. I have a very strong memory of you. I was doing the late night show and we used to do our rehearsals 
Yes, we rehearsed that yeah, shit. Yeah, you guys worked very hard too. I don't think you should <laughs> no, no, make we, it seem like you didn't work No, no, we, we worked really hard, but we were in rehearsal and my daughter had been born a few months before Nev mm-hmm. and it was the first time I brought her to work briefly. And suddenly, I guess the my rehearsal feed went throughout the whole building, but the double doors in 6A <laughs> flew open and you came running in and you- Tried to steal your baby. You <laughs> grabbed grab my daughter and you just were lit. You just lit up. Uh, she's and a it very was, cute baby. Well, but I also think it was, uh, there was just this moment where I thought, oh. This lady was going to have a baby. Someone's going to be having a baby soon, <laughs> I think, because someone just really wants to grab my daughter and run away. I think you sank your teeth into her at one point. Like I she was tried. a freshly baked loaf of bread. She was a delicious baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, she, so she's how, how old now? She's, she's in her late 40s. She's in her late 40s now, as am I. <laughs> uh, no, no my daughter's turning 16. So, yeah. So, so I, my oldest daughter's 14. So it still took a while, I guess. I held it off. For a while. Yeah. I served comedy a little longer. <laughs> it, <laughs> that's right. You never did any good work after you <laughs> no. gave birth. That is the curse for all women. Uh, once they've, I think Jerry Lewis told me this. Once, they've, once they have children, they can Just never be funny time. again. Yeah. yeah. They're even less funny than before. If that's possible, said Jerry Lewis. Um, I'm going to ask a question and you can take this out if it's something you don't talk about. Because the one thing that I remember so much from being our proximity to to your show when you were in 6A um, was a invention of the word chipple yeah. and how useful it is. No, I'll talk about chipple. Okay. Sure. So, so chipple is a super, super useful word in any workplace, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to explain yeah. chipple? Uh, and I'll say this, Robert Smigel, uh, was our, my original head writer. He was a brilliant writer at Saturday Night Live. He's a genius. Yeah. He's a genius. And, um, most people know him as, uh, as Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Uh, but he, he did so many things, uh, TV on my Fun show. House, on TV Funhouse. And he's just, just a brilliant guy and a lovely guy. And one of the things about working with someone who's that brilliant is that he was also, he could be very uncompromising. He could break producers because producers would, you know, he would insist that it has to be a real llama and we need it here in 10 minutes. And, yeah. and, uh, and producers would, would break down crying. And it was, Robert is one of those people that when you're in, you, you need to accept there's, I'm getting right. the genius, but I'm also going to get the guy who insists we need a llama here in 10 minutes. Right. Oh, uh, and this uh, thing's going to be 20 minutes too long, but yes. it's gonna, then it's going to, you know. But yeah. then we're going to edit it and it's going to be amazing, yeah. but we have to go through the, you know. And, and, and so what I used to get really tired of is people would say, they would want to make some complaint because Robert right. had asked them right. to do something really impossible. And so they would say, okay, Robert's a genius and he's fantastic, and he's the most prolific comedy writer I've ever encountered. And he's and they would go on for five minutes, and they would say, "But the studio's on fire." But the studio's <laughs> on fire, and and two people are dead because he insisted on using real fire for the sketch. And um, and I would always say, "Do we have to do the whole preamble? Because it takes time, and we all do it." So I said, "Let's not do that. Let's just say I'm going to make up a word, chipple." And you can condense. And you can condense. I love Robert. That means I love Robert. He's the best. He's a genius. We all know he's a genius. He's the best comedy writer anyone ever saw. Blah, 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 blah. And then you can just say chipple and everyone's understood and then you move on. Right. So you can come in and be like chipple, but I'm going to fucking kill Smigel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Chipple, but uh, the police are here and they're looking for Robert. So useful. I recommend people using it. And by the way, before this airs, you should trademark this word like Paris Hilton. Yeah. You need this because this is going to take off because every workplace has a guy that like, listen, Terry's super nice. And I know that, you know, his right. wife has no feet and whatever and but whatever, but yeah. blah, blah, blah. Triple. And I think, I think it got out because I think they did a oral history of Senate Live. Oh, okay. And I think I said, I, I think I said Chipple in that or explained it. Without even thinking about it. And then everyone started coming up to me and saying, oh my God, Chipple. Oh, so it's already out. No, no. Well, among, I think among- Comedy su- people. Comedy aficionados, yeah. this goes to a very different audience. These are people that despise comedy. People in elder want And they want to hear my voice. They don't want to see my face. <laughs> this um, is an ASMR. <laughs> 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 but uh, I, um, yeah, Chipple, that's one of those behind the scenes things. And Robert, if you're out there, I do love you. We all um, love you, Robert. But Chipple. You get but it. But chipple. Yeah, chipple. Um, I wanted to ask you quickly about improvisation. Sure. It's something that I've struggled with, meaning I love improv as a tool, but 
And I, I've always thought maybe Tina is a like-minded spirit, which is I've always loved so much about it, but then there are elements of improv that run counter to my controlling, wanting to get something, let's get it right, let's make it as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a rah-rah spirit sometimes to improv, like there's a lame line that ends the sketch, but everyone goes, yay, anyway. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know, I always, uh, Lisa Kudrow used to tell me when I was at the Groundlings and I would sit and I would watch rehearsal when improv wasn't going well, I would put my head in my hands <laughs> in the audience and she would say, you know, people can fucking see you. Yeah. You look like a dick. And it'd be like, I, I, I would be so overwrought with like, oh, this makes me, I'm really- So embarrassing. I don't like improv when it's not going well. I get too upset. And I would put my head in my hands and she'd say, don't do that. Right. You do, stop it. Yeah. Um, I think she's more eloquent than that. But uh, <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know if you've had that. Yeah, I agree. Impro- pure improv is- a living thing. It's kind of a, a fun thing between the people and the audience who are there. And it doesn't usually hold up. It's about being there and knowing that, oh, that was the best we could do in the moment. How about, oh, that surprised us in the moment. But that's why I think um, if you, you know, if you try to film uh, an ass cat or whatever, it, it if people know that you're filming it, it's usually... I think it tightens up in a way that is just not useful. And when people try to improvise uh, on film, especially, I think there's a lot of actors who, who think they're improvising in movies, but they're just repeating their lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, With a slightly different (laughs) inflection. What are you doing? What are you doing? What do you want to do that over here? Let's do that. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not improvising. Please stop. Um, uh, (laughs) Okay. That was De Niro. Uh, (laughs) No, I wasn't thinking of De Niro, but um, yeah, it's, and I, I, the tenets of improv, improv, the yes and of it all, I think are really helpful in a writer's room. I think writer, improvisation is great, a great tool in a writer's room. Then you take the best of it and shape it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I, also, I think when I was an improviser, I, I, you know, I started, I tried to be a pure improviser again, all our mirror work and stuff, mm-hmm. and I could kind of do it. And a lot of times the real pure Second City stuff, like you don't get that much f- truly funny stuff out of it because it would be cheating to like throw a premise in there. But UCB, especially, yeah, Improv Olympic and especially UCB, like you do a, an ass cat with Ian Roberts, he's entering with a premise. They're just, they're just super fast writers. Yeah. And they're piling up on each other, but they are writing as they go. Yeah. And I think I always improvised like a writer. I think Matt Besser told me that once when he was my teacher. He's like, okay, you're pretty good, but, you know. Why? Why try Matt Besser? For who? Um, and it is, I feel like there's a handful of people that I know and more that I don't know. People who are like purely gifted, true improvisers is like Scott Adsit, yep. Dave Pasquazi, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Dorf. Stack, Brian Stack. Brian Stack. Let's have a uh, shout out to Brian Stack. Oh, Brian Stack. Another 30 Rock guest actor. Brian Stack uh, was on my show for most of its time uh, and did, came up with some of the greatest left brain uh, ideas uh, of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one's face falls uh, when their sketch is cut <laughs> like Brian Stack. More than Brian Stack. Yeah. Just when we, you know, yeah. when it was just like, yeah, I'm not sure that works. He'd come back and go like, you know, we could try it again. Yeah. Uh, okay. The audience is gone, Brian. <laughs> They're gone, Brian. Well, we could do it for these squirrels that are here. That's okay, Brian. <laughs> I could get more squirrels. No, Brian, we're not going to perform this for squirrels, but he's uh, he's a brilliant guy. And he works yeah. for uh, Colbert now. So Oh, no, right. Yeah. Oh, they're out here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, I got to find them. You don't care. I do care. Yeah. These Brian. are old Chicago peeps. Sure. But yeah. I'm trying to think of the other, the, the, the pure improvisers. Polar, Jenna Jolovitz. The yeah. real, the old, the old original uh, gangsters yes. from Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done a really uh, embarrassing bit or been in a really um, dumb outfit and you go, well, that's what they're going to show at the Emmys when I die? I think about, <laughs> I think about that a lot. Yeah. I think about my death a lot. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure it's going to be violent. Uh, <laughs> 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 that's just how I'm going to go. It's going to be violent and animal related. That's all, I, we, you know that's what? all I, the psychic said. Yeah. I, um but I, I live in California now and I really would, I've said this many times, I would not mind if my death was at the hands of a bear. Mm-hmm. Or coyote. Or, or, or some kind of a, I could take a coyote. They're just, just they're like dogs. They don't That's eat enough. They're, and there's, yeah, I could take a, uh, but, but like a bobcat. Mm-hmm. I would like that to be the way I went. Because I think people would, that would be cool. People would say. That would be, that would be cool. He was torn to shreds by a grizzly. That'd be cool. But it just, anyone can find anything. 
and look yeah. at it and go, that man wasted his life. Um, <laughs> this got sad at the end. <laughs> I've taken up a lot of your time, which I don't want to do because I know you're really busy. Uh, but this is, uh, we've done, I don't know, I think we did last season, we did about 36 of these. And whenever people would say to me, but who do you really, really, really want to talk to? I would say, I'm hard pressed to think of someone I respect more than Tina Fey. That's very nice. And it's just uh, always, I just a massive admirer of yours and continue to be. So I'm really glad you were able to do this. Thank you, Conan. It's a pleasure to do it. I, I, I respect you and admire you very much also. Put that, get that gun further away from me. I know. I was going to say, you sound like a prisoner of war. <laughs> um, blinking. Ho Chi Minh has no, the right idea. Yeah. No, it's great to, I feel like, uh, I feel like uh, what we could call the, the hard comedy soldiers, the yeah. people who believe in jokes being in things. So yep. we have to, uh, we have to stick together. We will soldier on. We will soldier on. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it? But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield. CarShield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need CarShield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So CarShield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, CarShield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice to protect yourself from the sky-high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. <laughs> I was telling people, no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com. Slash Conan. Okay, let's do some voicemails. Check in with the people here. Devin, number seven, please. Hello, Conan O'Brien. My name is Max. I have a fun question for you. If you were stranded on an island with every former U.S. president in American history, which president would you eat first? If you were forced to cannibalize any former U.S. president, what would it be? Uh, it's a fun podcast. Uh, uh, thank you. All right. Goodbye. Okay. Let me first of all say something, Max. Never preface things by "Here's a really fun question," <laughs> and 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 if you do, don't do it in the voice of someone who's planted a bomb. Okay. Jesus. That's what you just did. Jesus. Hey, Conan. This is Max. 
I've got a really fun question for you. Sorry, Max. I mean, your fun sounds, you've weaponized the word fun. I'm just being honest. That was terrifying. That was absolutely <laughs> terrifying. So I hope you like that. And then you said it again. I hope you like that fun question. Well, wait a minute, Max. We'll decide if it's fun. And why are you making this call from a late 70s New York telephone booth and then running away so that you're not near the explosion? So those are things I'm just going to lay out, first of all. Now let's get to your question. The answer's Taft. Taft was a big, <laughs> fat man. And there's a rumor that he got stuck. Don't get away from the microphone when you're laughing. Some of these laughs are gold. You, you're pulling away. Why can't you handle that we had a president who was a big, fat, fucking fuck? And I'm not... Fat shaming him or anything because he you was absolutely. Are I am not. I am not because he was told. First of all, he, legend has it that he got stuck in the White House bathtub and they couldn't get him out. And I am not. I understand. I'm very sensitive to weight issues, and I don't want to get a lot of calls about this or anything. Taft took great pleasure in his heaviness. Taft was not someone who tried to go on the late 19th, early 20th century version of Weight Watchers. He didn't try and do anything. He used to say to people, I'll pass that amendment, but first I'll eat this entire turkey. And they'd say, uh, whatever. And then they would say, hey, we need to ask you about the Panama Canal. And he said, just one minute. I'll get to your question about the Panama Canal. But first, I'm going to deep fry an entire pig and eat it like a popsicle. So I think there's just good eat in there. I really do. So it's not because of his politics. It's because there's just so much meat. That I don't ever eat. think about politics has anything to do with... No. I think Democrats and Republicans probably taste about the same, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm not going to get into that. Uh, this is not supposed to be a, di there's too much divisive hate speech in this country. And I'm sick of that. I just want to get back to, Taft was a big fat fucking president. <laughs> and I don't like hate speech and division. But that man was proud of his weight. He used to rub his, he just would, I mean, literally just rub himself. He used to walk into cabinet meetings without a shirt and rub himself and say, look how much of me there is. Behold Taft. That's a true fact about Taft. He said, imagine eating this on a desert island. Yeah. He said, oh, I, I see you over there, Secretary of the Interior. Well, you should get a look at my interior. I just ate 850 eggs. <laughs> Hey, Secretary of the Treasury, you should treasure this. And then he would drop his pants and show his massive buttocks and say six lambs could sleep in these buttocks. Behold. So that's just good eating. You had that answer ready to go. You, you thought, thought about, about this. this. Yeah. 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 Uh, guess what? This is to Max's credit. I was thinking about that on the way in today. <laughs> I often think about which president would I eat on a desert island. And you go through all kinds of possibilities. You know, look, let's be honest, mm. Trump, there'd be some good chomping there. I mean, that's a man of, <laughs> it's not a thin man. No. Uh, you want a president who's going to last a while. But he's like veal. Like, there's no, no rigidity to the meat or anything. You no, know? no. You know what? Taft, well marbled. Yeah. Well marbled. Right, right. Tons of beef there. Yeah. yeah. You'd probably find all, all kinds of stuff that, you know, I mean, just, you'd forget. You'd think you had eaten all of Taft. Here's the thing. You'd be on the island and six months would have gone by and you would think, I, 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 there's got to be, I wonder if there's any Taft left. And then you'd walk over to the other side of the island and you'd just, well, oh my God, look at that calf muscle. That thing's the size of a canoe. And it's just loaded with pure, just sweet Taft fat. And again, I do not want this podcast to be divisive. But what a fat fuck. How did he die? He just rolled away. <laughs> they couldn't find him. They couldn't find him? Yeah. Where did he, he just roll? like grew into the landscape and grass growed over him? No, I think the he plunged to the center of the earth. <laughs> The uh, crust could not support the mantle. The uh, could not support him, and he is probably now at the center of the earth, slowly burning. <sighs> Which is why sometimes, sometimes in winter, you can smell cooking Taft 
if you're near a vent in the earth. This is probably our last podcast. This busted everything. Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's go get a burger. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com.